0: Welcome to Seismic Sales Enablement Shift Podcast. Here is your host and Seismic's Vice President of Marketing, Daniel Rodriguez. Welcome to another episode of the Sales Enablement Shift Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Rodriguez.
1: And I'm your co-host, Alyssa Drury.
0: In our last episode, we talked with Jen Marie Jacober about why it's important to operate sales enablement as a business within a business.
1: That's right. And Jen Marie stressed that not only should sales enablement be cross-functional, but that it needs to directly affect business goals. If not, it becomes a cost center.
0: And no one wants to be seen as a cost center of an organization, right? So today we're speaking with Roderick Jefferson, the head of global enablement at Oracle Marketing Cloud, about how sales enablement can drive incremental revenue. So I am very excited to, to be able to chat with you today. Let's, let's just get things kicked off right away here. If you could just give us a, a brief intro about yourself and background as a sales enablement practitioner.
1: Sure. Roderick Jefferson and I run... Global Sales Enablement for the Oracle Marketing Cloud, which is an interesting um, topic within itself. It's more of a business inside of a business. So for the first time, Oracle has kind of carved out a space for a marketing cloud so that we can focus on you know CMO, offices, CMO, et cetera, as opposed to the traditional way that people look at Oracle. So a little on my background, I actually started as a sales guy, carried a bag for about five years, went into sales management, and realized I really loved the process of selling not necessarily taking down the big deals. So I found a way to transition into what at the time was sales training. So I had run sales training at AT&T, I've run sales enablement at Siebel Systems, Network Appliance, Business Objects, PayPal slash eBay, 3PAR slash HP, Salesforce, and now here at Oracle. So that's me.
0: So a ton of great experiences, obviously in the sales enablement space. Um, covering several years, and I think it would be really important actually to to try to articulate to folks, if you can, uh, how how the role of sales enablement has shifted, let's say, over the past decade as, as you've taken on additional roles and then probably tried to make some of that change come about.
1: Sure. Happy to talk about it. You know, I, interestingly enough, I, I can go probably back a couple of decades back and just kind of give you a step by step. What it started out was simply training. It was about you know getting in front of our sales folks, making sure that they could message, making sure that they could position our products. And then it went into solution selling. And then it went from there into sales enablement, sales productivity, uh, sales effectiveness, which all culminate in, in my opinion as really getting the right message to the right person at the right time via the right delivery vehicle. And so how it's really changed is, even in the definition, it's different now. It's no longer training. Training is one of those things that you just kind of throw out when things are broken. But enablement is really an end-to-end process where you are kind of a hub that spokes out to every other part of the organization. And what I mean by that is I still go out because I'm still a sales guy at heart. I still go out and I talk to customers. And what I find out is information that's working, how the messaging and positioning either resonates or doesn't, then I can come back to, let's say, product marketing. And product marketing, hey, it's great that we've got this first call pitch, we've got this whiteboard POV, but it's not really resonating out in the real world because it's confusing our customers or it's not hitting the mark. Then I go over to product management and say, hey, I've been out to 10 customers. Eight times I've heard the same exact request. What can we do to move this up on the roadmap? Then I go over to HR and say, hey, the type of profile that we're hiring is not really fitting going forward because my team owns the onboarding and new hire piece as well. Then to kind of tie that whole loop together, go back out to customers and say, not only did we hear you, but we're making changes. We're making the changes that you requested. We're moving things up on the roadmap. We're going to get those features and benefits added in. And at the end of the day, we're going to be able to service you at a stronger and a deeper capacity." Thus building a stronger relationship with you.
0: How did you figure out this, this idea of, of of looking at your role and your team's role as as this kind of hub and, and spoke model? I mean, was this kind of trial and error? Did somebody you know mandate this in in the role?
1: No, it wasn't mandated, it was actually organic, because the, the approach that I've always taken is that you get your lead from the sales folks because they're the closest to the streets and the closest to our prospects and our customers. And then because of the natural transition of, as I said, from training to enablement, et cetera, it required that you bring everyone to the table. It was actually more of, of a proficiency and efficiency tool so that I didn't have to go and talk to each of these individual organizations differently or at different times. Hey, let's everyone come to the table and we'll see what we can do to make a, a stronger pitch to also make sure that we can articulate key differentiation competitive advantage and business value outward to our customers and prospects and that we're taking their feedback back in.
0: So it probably helps that you're a former sales rep to be able to, to understand how important it is to actually get close to that customer. Um, when, when you were chatting with us before, you talked about the importance of that first line manager in this, in, in this kind of ecosystem. Tell the audience a little bit about why you think the first line manager is so important.
1: I don't think it's important. I think it's imperative. It's probably the most critical piece of enablement as we move forward successfully as a partnership. Because the first line manager is really where the rubber meets the road. It's the person that's going to not only own the onboarding for their individuals, but also all of the continuing education and working with my team to make sure we're hitting the mark. Because we can't move forward and give them what we think they need. These are folks that are seeing the difficulties, the proficiencies, as well as the pitfalls on a daily basis. So as they're coaching, our job as a partner or as a change management agent is to make sure that we are supporting what they're coaching and they're also supporting the content that we're enabling. So it's really a hand in glove kind of fit between my team, the first line manager. Now, don't get me wrong. It's critical that we work at a strategic level with the VPs and the executives in sales, But truly, they're not the ones that are going to make sure that things are executed and implemented. It's really going to be that first-line manager.
0: Now, this is great because we've talked on previous episodes actually about how do you sell sales enablement as a strategic initiative to more senior levels within the organization? How do you get budget? But this episode very much about how do we enact this change and make sure that it happens. So let's get really tactical, if you wouldn't mind, Roderick, and and share with people how, I mean, what channel do you actually go about communicating with these first line managers and kind of how many people do you have on your team? How many first line managers are there? And then is it, you know, are you doing weekly uh, calls? Is it through email? Like, How do you actually facilitate some of this alignment?
1: So it's a broad mixed spectrum. So, Let's start with the team first, and I'll talk about all the communication tools. So I've got 10 people, and they've, they're have they spread out globally, folks here, folks in EMEA, folks in JPAC. And what I've done is, again, built a hub and spoke model with them. They're responsible for needs assessment, gathering of needs, as well as translating those needs into programs, processes, and the appropriate tools. Now, they work directly with their first-line managers, and they're meeting with them on a bi-weekly basis. Some cases, we're actually sitting on forecast calls so we can understand what's happening out in the real world and where we can bring and be of the most value. Because I understand, and, and I want to make sure I get this out to the audience, that some cases, sales enablement is looked at as a cost center, or it used to be. Now, no longer. We are really here to help drive incremental revenue. It's no longer about putting butts in seats and how many folks that we accreditate or certify. It's really how are we going to, at the end of the day, drive incremental revenue. So my team owns that piece. They sit with their first line managers. They come up with their what we call red, yellow, greens, which are kind of their roadmap for this quarter or this first half of the year, no more than three to five, because other than that, we're setting ourselves up for failure as practitioners, and we're never going to be able to meet the needs of our first line managers and our overall sales community.
0: So absolutely love this. How so let's let's keep going with this what metrics then are you actually measuring for this enablement success so that you are no longer perceived as a cost center? We don't want anybody who is in this community and is listening to this podcast to be running a cost center, that's for sure.
1: Absolutely not. And I'll take it one step further. There was a time where sales training was seen similar to IT. Now, no disrespect to IT, I love those guys. But the problem with IT is, with all of us, we only think about our IT person when something's broken. Training used to be the same way. Something's broken. You know what? Throw more training at it. We don't have enough pipeline. We're not closing fast enough. So throw training. So here's what we do. We move forward with the sales enablement metrics, and those metrics are around things like um, time to productivity or first close. I can go back to our sales leaders and tell them what are the average deal sizes, broken down by segments, by SMB, by enterprise, etc., and even broken down further by global region. We talk about the number of closed deals. We talk about the product mix because cross-sell, as we all know, is important and especially even more important to marketing cloud. Then we also look at activities that are downstream with the BDRs and the SDRs. We look at things like activities that will lead to qualified leads so that we're tying the usefulness and the usability of those leads and how those are actually going to translate into closed sales later as they move upstream. And then the last metric that we look at as a team is really around collateral use and frequency. So we've got a number of uh, portals and I come back and I can talk about things like the number of visits, the number of page downloads, the number of collateral and stats around those pieces. So then we can even tie our low performers and high performers to not only the original metrics I gave you, but also whether or not they're using the the collateral and how frequently or infrequently they're using by the folks that are top and low performers. Excellent, so uh,
0: Roderick, your team was selected last year as the winner of Serious Decisions Sales Onboarding Program of the Year. Congratulations.
1: Thank you very much. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah. So tell everybody a little bit about the problems that you guys were facing and and, and what you did to overcome them.
1: Sure. Before I get into the problems, I'd like to say this. It is, I am unbelievably honored for my team to have won this award. I, I truly believe that all the hard work that they put in has won this, and I want to make sure we're clear. This is the equivalent of an Oscar or an Emmy. So it's tough to get bigger than this one. So for them, for the OMC team, congratulations on a fantastic job. Now, why we won it was it really came down, as I I was saying earlier, we have come together and brought six different companies together as one to make the marketing cloud. So the analogy I always give is is a football analogy. Imagine taking six all-star quarterbacks, putting them in the same huddle, and then walking in and saying, guess what? No one here is a quarterback anymore. Well, what's the, the immediate answer? No, we are quarterbacks. And my response to them had to be, in a polite way, of course, no, you're a kicker, you're a punter, you're a receiver, you're now the center. Because what we have to do is get on the same page. And that's why we were awarded. We were able, through thought leadership, best practice, and execution, pull all those together into a single organization, speaking the same language, consistently messaging and positioning in the same direction and at the same time being able to service our prospects and not lose current customers at the same time, both from the net new logo perspective as well as the back end of post sales.
0: That's fantastic. Were you measuring any of the of the uh, onboarding activities that allowed you to prove some of these benefits that you brought to the organization?
1: Absolutely. Those were our proof points. So the metrics that I talked about earlier around time to first close and product mix and the type of sales and the different closes, all those were the proof points that came together that ultimately turned out to be a presentation at their national summit and also a case study that was written. Around the team as well.
0: Fantastic. We should have a little like people cheering in the background. That's <laughs> that's that's fantastic. Um, all right. Uh, lastly, I know that you are one of the founding members on the West Coast of the Sales Enablement Society. Uh, why don't you tell everybody about your involvement there and and also what they can do to to get involved as a as a practitioner in the
1: sales enablement space? Absolutely. So it is. The first time that we have all as practitioners, especially for a seasoned folks that have come together to really kind of dial out a definition of sales enablement and put in place some of our best practices and share this globally. The purpose is to make sure that we have consistent nomenclature, we have consistent verbiage that we're using and leveraging one another's templates that we're also able to build consistency and scalability across the sales enablement space. So my firm belief is that you learn how to or you learn how not to, either way you learn. Now, the preference is that we can learn from each other around best practices, thought leadership, and also the outstanding ways that folks have been able to execute on sales enablement activities. But there's also a time to learn from mistakes. And believe me, I make plenty of them as well. So I want to put mine in because if we can help folks not go down those same pitfalls that we have and be more efficient, more effective and more scalable and consistent, that's the goal of the SE Society. And so to find out more, there are a couple of ways. One, you can go to uh, sesociety.org. There's also a group on LinkedIn, or you can reach out to me directly via Twitter at The Voice of Rod, and I'll make sure that you're tied into the right folks.
0: That's fantastic. All right, so there it is. Make sure that you get signed up. Now, You're uh, Rod, you're in which geographic chapter i think there's going to be city chapters is that right with the sc society
1: right west coast at this point so we're all based out of san francisco bay area
0: okay great all right now rod you if you've listened to a couple of these previous episodes you know that you're not done until you complete the speedy seven are you ready for seven quick questions
1: i believe i'm
0: prepared (laughs) okay all right you know we're gonna change up the questions if people actually people actually (laughs) listen to these and then are ready all right here we go. What was the first concert you ever attended?
1: Oh, first concert I attended was God. You're gonna take me way back now. Um, God, I believe it was uh, Run DMC and Beastie Boys. Oh,
0: wow. That was. I mean, what was? Did you? Were they as big as they became when you went to that concert? They were huge. They were huge. Okay. Okay. That sounds epic. We've got a. We've got a very large poster of, <laughs> of the Beastie Boys with Run-DMC in, in, our, <laughs> in our office. office. Um, so we've got some fans here as well. All right, what was the last TV show that you binge
1: watched? Binge watched, uh, Orange is the New Black.
0: Excellent, all right. What do you call the long sandwich that contains cold cuts, lettuce, tomato, etc.?
1: Delicious. <laughs>
0: That is a first. Okay, we're going <laughs> to. Just... <laughs> do, do you put your glasses in the cupboard upright or upside down? Upside down. All right, frozen yogurt or ice cream? Absolutely, ice cream. <laughs> and then, bonus question which flavor?
1: Strictly vanilla. <laughs>
0: nice.
1: All right. Now, actually, you know what? Let's go with cookies and cream.
0: Mm I always get really hungry. I don't think there's anybody that has said a flavor of ice cream that I'm like, no, I definitely wouldn't eat that. You're wrong. You know, yeah. That that just
1: says you like ice cream.
0: I do like ice cream. I do. I feel like I eat more and more ice cream
1: as I get older. Cookies and cream. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: All right. um, Paper or plastic?
1: Um, Paper.
0: All right, last one is so this is kind of like I don't know if you're a baseball fan, but uh, the batters on the, the home team, they oftentimes have a song playing when they're going to the plate called a walk on song. <clears throat> so, what would your walk on song be?
1: Welcome to the jungle.
0: Yes, Guns N' Roses, so good. All right, Rod, <laughs> thank you so much. It was so great to have you on the Sales Enablement Shift podcast. And, uh, and yeah, we'll probably, we'll probably see, you on the, see you on the circuit soon.
1: Thanks for the time. I really do appreciate it. And, and thanks also for moving sales enablement practice in the space forward. All right. Thanks all.
0: All right. Thank you. This was great.
1: You can connect with Roderick on LinkedIn or Twitter at The Voice of Rod or through the Sales Enablement Society LinkedIn groups or website at www.sesociety.org.
0: Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next time. Thank you for listening. You can follow our Seismic Sales Enablement Shift podcast to learn more about sales enablement. See you next time.